Dr. Carla Fowler is an MD, PhD, and elite executive coach. For the last decade, she's been a secret weapon for scores of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other senior leaders. Carla's unique approach combines the latest research from performance science with timeless best practices to help top performers level up and achieve their goals. So you're going to want to stick around today, particularly in the new year when people are thinking about goals. The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to Rat Race Reboot. I'm your host, Laura Noel. And as a certified coach and former 27-year military leader, each week I provide bite-sized mindset pivots that will help you reset your mind, reawaken your spirit, and regain your control. Hello and welcome, everyone. I am so excited for our conversation and our guest today. First and foremost, Carla, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Well, we're excited as well. I mean, Carla and I were having a great conversation before the start of the show about you know, this is the perfect time of year. I've seen so many posts online and LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, People adopt kind of this theme of the year or word of the year, or they have resolutions or they're really going hardcore with their goals. So I think this is a really timely uh, discussion because it's going to help you set forth a plan that resonates with you, that really aligns with your vision and really connects with some of these principles that top leaders are developing, employing, and adding to their arsenal of of things that help them become more successful. So, uh, but before we get into that, uh, Carla, I wanted to hear a little bit about you and your story, your journey. How did you get to do the work that you're doing now? So uh, it's I come to this by an interesting route. Uh, it's not typical for people who are executive coaches, but uh, my path actually started through academic science and medicine. So um, kind of growing up, I think I always liked this idea that life was solvable, like <laughs> that you could encounter things, challenges, uh, and there could be a solution for it. So it's probably not a surprise that I gravitated towards math and science and a little less towards more ambi- what felt like more ambiguous fields like English or history or some of these things. So uh, that was kind of my early start. And ultimately, uh, that plus this sense that I really liked observing people, I was interested in helping people. Those were the sorts of problems that were the most interesting to me uh, versus more inanimate or, uh, say, computational types of problems. And so um, that led me to go pursue an MD and a PhD. And they have these great programs where you can do both and they're funded. So, um, you know, it takes the bulk of your 20s, but, uh, (laughs) you know, by the time you're 30 or 31, you get out and and you don't have a lot of debt, which is absolutely a wonderful thing. And and I was really pursuing problems and things I was interested in, uh, you know, that would really help people um, from a medicine and a biological standpoint. Um, That being said, all along the way, I was continually 
putting myself up against different kinds of challenges. So I was a high level athlete. I like played college sports. I rode, um, in college. And after that, even as I was getting my MD and my PhD, I played high level ultimate Frisbee and competed in a number of national championships. (laughs) And, um, really, I think the thing for me was this constant interest in how, how are people good at things? Um, certainly I had a personal interest in trying to achieve really high levels of performance, whether it was with work, with school, uh, with athletics. Um, but it, it went beyond that. Uh, like for me, it was both figuring out how do I get myself to do it? And, but also looking around and saying, what is making other people successful? Like, what are some of these common principles? And I'm a person, I like, I love to share that. So all along the way, you know, if a colleague in the lab was dealing with some challenge, like I loved kind of discussing it and strategizing and thinking about like, okay, (laughs) you know, how can you overcome that? And so in that sense, it is totally natural that I ended up in the elite level executive coaching space. Um, And that was sort of a big pivot, but ultimately for me, it was a way of prioritizing what was the the core element of what I most loved in my career, which is separate from what you can be good at. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I was studying to be a surgeon. I could have been a great surgeon, but that's different from like, where are you thriving? What is like, the core of what you are best at. Um, and so ultimately, um, I did leave medicine and open my practice about 10 years ago, because that was really the space, um, where thinking about these problems and helping people really apply principles of performance was the space that I thought, um, I could most excel at. Oh my gosh, what an amazing journey. And I love that throughout your journey, you used yourself as an instrument to help you understand, you know, what, what is it that, I mean, you were doing so many things so well in, in vastly different areas from athletics to medicine, to your studies, to all of these things. And I always say, when you understand yourself, I mean, it, it has to start with you as the individual, then you can understand others better. We're all connected, right? And um, we're all unique too, in the sense of what drives us. But when we can understand ourselves, we can sure help other people unlock that for themselves as well. So I love that you used yourself as as an instrument throughout that journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of it was really looking at that. And that definitely has informed my practice and um, how I think about performance science. And then I'm an N of one. So obviously I I supplemented that then with a bunch of reading and trying and learning about what is out there in um, kind of in the literature, uh, how are people thinking about this in the space? And one of the things that I really wanted to bring to executive coaching, um, which is present in all in, in different areas, but I really wanted to focus on it was this idea of performance. And um, there are, elements of that that do involve knowing yourself and um, and exploration and, and these types of things. But I also wanted to really come to the table with tools and very practical uh, ideas and perspectives that um, really n- not just help us like thrive as a person, 
but really help us raise our level of performance. What are the results we're actually producing? And that's not always the goal when people pursue coaching. And so that's important. Uh, We need lots of different kinds of coaches. Um, But for me, really bringing that rigor and saying, how can we use the science to actually really inform what's happening and, um, and even simplify to those greatest principles um, rather than overcomplicating performance. Um, That was really my goal. And that was sort of the unique thing I wanted to bring with my practice. Uh, I I love that you're, you know, honing in on some key principles. And I definitely want to talk about what those are. Um, But I feel like we're so inundated with so many things. And we, you know, just even before the show, just talking about, people's approach to goal setting and goal achieving in a new year, you know, some people will just be hard chargers and they're doing all of the things and then they quickly become overwhelmed. There's too many things. So there's not that focus. And then you'll have some people who just sort of abandon the idea altogether because just even at the onset, they're just overwhelmed. So they do nothing. So I'm sure that a lot of these principles that we'll be diving into today can help alleviate some of those stressors and and help people direct them, direct their energy in a positive direction and, and cohesive direction. Absolutely. Well, and you've brought up some really great things that people, some instincts that people have when they start the year. And so sometimes it's, a, as you said, a word of the year or a theme. Sometimes it is a set of specific goals. And one of the things I want to point out that is going very well there is that anytime we try to articulate what we want, that helps our brains focus. And so uh, when when we sort of say, well, I want to do the best I can this year. Yeah. Um, it is it is a nice, like it is a kindness to oneself, but actually on the other side of it, um, without articulating more clearly what we want, um, it makes it less likely that we will be able to identify what's going to get us there. And even if we actually achieve a lot, what I've noticed is that because we didn't call our shot at the beginning of the year, we actually don't feel as good even if we do it. Yeah. Um, and so it's this interesting thing where um, that instinct to articulate what you want, I think is really important. Uh, that Maybe. is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's, I equate that to, I talk about decision-making, making a committed decision. And I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was that person in the hamster wheel being really successful back in, in, in the day before. I, and I felt like I was achieving really great things. And from the outside looking in, I was. But to your point, I didn't really definitively articulate what it was that I truly wanted, the big picture. I was taking things as they came or setting like, oh, I want that next. Or it was one goal after the other. And when I would achieve them, I was kind of left empty. Like it felt good for a hot second. Yeah. And then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I love the idea of making a definitive decision, articulating what it is you want, being decisive. And so when you're hitting those milestones, you're in alignment. It feels good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is something about like kind of meeting our word to ourselves that has a very powerful sense of generate of, um, building a sense of control 
Yeah. And as human beings, part of our evolutionary biology is we strongly desire control and we feel very good when we feel like we have it. Um, A lot of control is a little bit of an illusion, but (laughs) I do believe we have influence is the word I would like to use. We do not control generally what happens in our future, but we can strongly influence. And um, so this, this thought of like, okay, let's articulate what it is we want. Let's ask ourselves what we want. Um, Now, the next challenge that can come up that you rightly pointed out was (laughs) that people maybe say, great, it is the new year. I feel fresh. There's a lot I want to accomplish. I'm going to set 10 goals. (laughs) And um, like people are very aware of what they want and they want a lot. So um, this is something where I, I talk about the principle. One of my three big principles of performance is brutal focus. And I call it brutal focus because uh, many of us already, when you're operating at a high level, are somewhat focused, right? It takes some focus to get like where you are today um, with the success that you've had. I call it brutal focus because actually you often have to go beyond that. And so if it's not feeling a little painful, like, okay, I really said not to this and not yet to this, and I am going to pick this. If it feels a little limiting, you're starting to get into the range of brutal focus. And so that's why I call call it that. (laughs) Um, So, and when I talk about brutal focus, I mean, two things. The first is really explicitly defining what you want and also potentially saying, okay, well, there's like 10 things I want, but really what are the most important things I want? Maybe the one or two. Like if I were going to focus my energy towards growth or improvement this year in one or two areas, not 10. Um, Like splitting your focus in that way will necessarily limit the amount of capacity each of those things get. And your ultimate improvement will not be as much and may not cross the threshold for what actually makes you feel like you made progress. Um, so that's like the first thing is really explicitly defining what you want. Sometimes there's numbers associated with it. Um, sometimes it's more qualitative and for the qualitative stuff, I always say, go back and look at what you wrote down and any word that's sort of ambiguous, like good or success (laughs) or (laughs) better, (laughs) see if you can't put some more adjectives to it that give it a little more, uh, shape shape, color, shading, you know, something that if you handed it off to another person, like a recipe, they might be able to follow it and, you know, get somewhere near what you had actually intended. Uh, So defining what you want. The second piece of brutal focus is then really asking yourself, what is actually most important to drive towards that? Um, Because I think you pointed out earlier or before the show that we, there are so many ideas about performance, how we improve our performance. It is a noisy field. And one of the important things is to understand that generally for many things, there's a couple drivers that uh, punch above their weight mm-hmm. compared to everything else. It's the difference between like, if you wanted to get healthier, uh, like eating blueberries, cause they're a superfood <laughs> and uh, exercising regularly, like I think we all sort of intuitively know like, okay, blueberries probably not going to get me there. I mean, they might be helpful. 
<laughs> right. have the blue, I don't want the blueberry <laughs> lobby to come against me, <laughs> but, but exercise, we, we sort of know scientifically has so many benefits for our mental and physical health, um, even separate from weight loss. And so just as an example, that's a huge driver. So thinking now it's hard sometimes to like sort that out. So I often recommend make a big brain dump, like write down everything you think could be helpful. If it was like, Hey, you have really ambitious sales targets this year, right? Like Mm -hmm. write down everything you're thinking of that could be related to that. Whether it's like, okay, really blocked time for prospecting, or maybe it's, I think I've exhausted my current like market customer base. I need to start thinking creatively outside that. Like I, there are any number of good ideas there, but um, make that list. And then I often recommend grouping it into some themes because often there are some things that are related and that sort of helps you focus that list. I also recommend crossing off anything on the list that is there because other people are doing it, but not because you're clear that it's effective. Yes. Oh, that's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I guess then the last piece is I recommend trying to get to like somewhere between one or three big drivers for this goal that you have and really identify what those are, why you think those are the drivers. And it's okay if you don't get it perfect. Because what I have found is if you even go through this exercise, you are closer to um, having more impactful inputs into your um, goal progress than if we don't do this exercise at all. Um, And I'm a big fan of uh, using 80% strategies that compound and doing them consistently versus trying and trying and trying to figure out what is that silver bullet or that 99% all strategy. Because it's rare for really challenging and multiplex things that there's like a single thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And oh my gosh, I mean, I love this idea of brutal focus. And it's interesting because as we're talking about it, I am, you know, I'm a coach and I get coached. So I am a part of a mastermind and I actually, I have a coaching call today with my coach. And I had been really zeroing in on the goal. And there's an intense part of the coaching, which is the first part of the year. And as I write my goal every single day, and I think about the things that I want, it gets it just like our reticular activating system, that filtration system in our brain, it gets me focused on solutions that are in alignment with that goal. And just today, I just had an epiphany. No, I don't I don't want exactly that. I want it this way. And then all of a sudden I was getting downloads of possible ways to do that. And and then I I had all of these things that I wanted to accomplish for the year. And I had to have some brutal focus to say, no, 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 no. Okay, what can I really go deep on right now? What's really going to move the needle? What What are some, just like you're saying, is really brain dumping some things and ideas of strategies and then how does that make sense and what can I focus on now to really that will help catapult the next step or the next part of this strategy but it really takes that brutal focus and deliberate focus each and every day and discipline to because uh, I am all about chasing squirrels I love doing all of the things and um and I will. And I actually found myself signing up for a couple of things. And I'm like, no, stop it. What are you doing? 
I, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I find that at least I, I'm sure that you've discovered this as well. Being a high achiever, working with high achievers, we like learning. We like doing all of the things, and it's cultivating this awareness. Can I multitask? I guess so, but accepting the idea that that's not our best strategy. <laughs> right. And you brought up so many great things in that story. Like one I really want to point out is this idea that you are actually looping on your goal. I call this looping. Okay. Do you do you remember the spirograph by the way? Yes. <laughs> it was like a toy kind of I don't know. I, I had it as a child and you yeah. create those beautiful like stencil designs, but you have to like um put the pen around this sort of stencil a bunch of times. It moves a little bit every time and then you're done and you have this beautiful flower design. Well, uh, I like the idea of saying people don't have inspiration like aha that comes out of nowhere. Usually having that clarity that you've really gotten to is this process of going over and over and over something, revisiting it, and it moves forward a little bit every time. So um, and sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, until you finish that flower with the spirograph, <laughs> you're yeah. like, is, is this going to be a pile of scribble <laughs> or is it going to be something beautiful? And, but really that looping process gets us to clarity and our brain is evolving and neurons are developing and clarity is increasing as you go along. And I like to bring that up because I think sometimes uh, we can think that like, if I didn't have an insight on the first day when I thought about this thing, well, that's all there is to find. Yeah. And, um, I really like to affirm people in the, no, it's okay to keep going on it. In fact, that is generally how it works. And that is how that is high performing. Um, it's not that the high performers, of the world get like an insight on one day and then, you know, they have a successful 10 years. That's mm. really not how it works they're looping. Yeah. And I love that idea that you've mentioned of you don't see it, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's so incremental at times and then you can have a quantum leap, but you generally don't realize you've had one until you look back and yes. see that beautiful <laughs> flower. Right. And so that sense of control, it's, it's gratifying to check things off a, a checklist and see, Oh, I accomplished this. I accomplished that but it's a completely different mindset altogether that we really have to embrace um, is that, that consistency, that discipline, you know, um, to just keep going and accept the fact that even though you can't see the changes, you know, necessarily that they're happening underneath the surface and trusting that they are. Absolutely. And so I love that you brought up the checklist because uh, I know for me, like, I love a good checklist, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, getting things done, crossing them off. And so um, one of the things I like to do is we can totally adapt some of this stuff to appeal if you, you know, out in the audience, if you love checklists, like, these are things that can become a piece of your process. And so um, I think the second performance principle that I we should talk about at this point is this idea of how do you cultivate power for yourself or build momentum. And uh, I think this can adapt very well to the checklist. And that's trying to have a sense of achievement with your process, even if the full arc of progress is not going to be apparent 
until like maybe a year goes by, right? Like you need some time for that to compound those results to really build upon each other. Yeah. So um, one, a, a tool that I like to talk about that helps us build momentum is called 90-90-90. And uh, the thing is, one of the things that really gets people stuck is um, number one, not starting. So 90% of people don't get started on something. And um, a big piece of it can be that they want to have it all thought out, all like all well understood. They want there to be no uncertainty. And uh, so they don't get started. That's the end result of that. And uh, one of the things I like the sailboat analogy, mm-hmm. which is uh, you can't steer a sailboat unless there is water going over the rudder. So I learned this. I went on a sailing trip for the first time this summer. And if the boat's going too slow, it's really hard to steer it. Yeah, <laughs> so, I love that. Um, I love the idea of, particularly at this time of the year, of saying, helping people get to, how do I get started? And you may, uh, I recommend picking something once you've done that brutal focus exercise to say, okay, how can I get started on one of these priorities? that I decided was a driver. And I recommend picking the smallest thing that in your head, you're like, okay, there's no excuse why I couldn't do that at the frequency of whatever I think is necessary. And I usually recommend um, undersizing it. So even in a way where you're like, well, that's just dumb. That is so small. But the reason is because getting started is 90% of the game. And then after that, the next piece Um, and 90% of people who get started don't do this piece. You have to keep going on it. It's building that groove, building that habit. And I don't even, don't even worry about improving it at this stage, because that's something that gets in the way of like just building that habit of how do you fit this in your schedule? How do you make sure it's on your checklist? Um, how do you have the discipline to kind of do it again and again? And so that's that second piece. And then the third piece, we wait till the third piece for this, which is that 90% of the people who keep going don't ultimately change something or improve to make whatever they chose to do first more effective. Um, Sometimes you picked the right thing. Sometimes you picked the right thing to start, but there is something ultimately better, a change you can make to it. And so that last piece is to say, once you've really gotten good at the habit of doing whatever is that investment, um, is then to say, is there something I could do to improve it? Um, Maybe if you're starting to exercise, maybe you're like, actually, I think it would be better if I did some cardio and some weightlifting, for example. And so maybe that's a change you would make. But I've watched uh, sometimes high achieving people want to start improving it right away. Yes. And that actually can kill your process also. (laughs) So um, this is the 90-90-90 tool for building momentum. Oh, I love that. (laughs) You take it one step at a time and you don't expect or have judgments on yourself for trying to skip ahead. Like don't skip ahead. Like just stay in the stage you're at. Mm, Yeah, I, that is, that is gold right there. Um, And, you know, I always tell people if they feel like they're stuck in a rut to take one step, if you're not motivated or whatever, you're, you're, your paradigms and your beliefs about yourself and your abilities are getting in your way and you can't seem to write that book, 
at least format it or do something. And it seems almost, I'm in a a PhD program right now. And sometimes I get overwhelmed with papers and I'm like, just format your paper in APA format. Mm -hmm. It seems like a silly thing, but I feel like I've made so much progress and then I go farther and I, you know, I'll do more. So I, yeah, it works. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably related a little bit to like, I don't know if it's sort of the halo effect, but applied to ourselves. So the halo effect is sort of this idea of seeing when we see one positive characteristic about someone, we will like assume other positive characteristics. But I think this can be true of our own self view also. So um, I remember there were times in my PhD program when things were going slow, you know, I was in the middle of like a 60 day experiment or the results weren't kind of um, clear or something. And at the same time I was playing sports and there was a piece of me that would use kind of some things outside of one goal. If I was making progress, it built momentum for me that helped me keep going on the thing that was not going as well. It was sort of sustaining. And um, it, this is something that works. You have to be careful that you're not avoiding the thing that you want progress in, but that feels uncertain by doing other things. Um, But I do think there can, you can have some transference of personal momentum. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, you know, and I think it's important to do things. I mean, hopefully you're doing work that you love and you're advancing goals within that, that realm, but you know, not just being one-sided and having some other things in your life that bring you joy. Um, that, yeah, I, 100%. Oh, I love this. And we can, Pick apart every little yes. section that you're talking about and have a whole podcast on this. I, I love our conversation and I think it's people are going to get so much value from this. Awesome. Well, it's it's been really fun to explore these topics, I think particularly at this time of year. So yeah. I'm hopeful that, again, um, many people are already defining goals. They are yeah. articulating what they want. And so hopefully these are just kind of an added layer to help those things be really successful for them. Oh, absolutely. Um, Now, how do people connect with you if they want to learn more about your work and work with you? So um, a great place to learn more about my work is my website. It's at thaxa.com, T-H-A-X-A. And um, you can both learn just more about my practice in general. If um, having a discussion to see if um, having a one-on-one coaching engagement would be useful, um, that's a great way to contact me also so we can set that up. And um, then if you want to be hearing more about performance science, uh, what I think are some of the best useful principles or tips or tools, um, I am posting the podcast conversations that I'm a part of on LinkedIn. So that's a great place to follow and um, just throughout the year, not just in January, uh, get some new ideas. And um, so I'm at Carla-Fowler. Oh, thank you. And we'll have your full bio and your website and the show notes. And I know I, for one, am going to be practicing some of these principles here, that brutal focus and cultivating my power. And I love that 90-90-90 framework. I will employ it. And I'm super excited for the year. And I'm really excited for people to connect with you. I encourage you to do that. And thank you so much for joining us on the show and adding value to our audience. 
Laura, thank you for having me. This has been great. Oh, awesome. Well, for those of you listening, we would love to hear your comments. Go to ratracereboot.com. Leave us a review. I read those. Leave a five-star review. I hope you love everything you're hearing today and you start to use it in your goal-achieving process. But until next week, we'll see you again. Remember, everything is created twice, first in your mind and then in physical form. We'll see you next week. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.